What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 42 of the Sports Show with Ben and Dylan. We are here today on a Monday to talk about some of the weekend's best NFL games as well as discuss some of the most recent NBA news and also get into uh, the Masters a little bit, which went, uh, which happened uh, this weekend. Now, if you uh, followed this thread, you saw that our normal Friday episode did not go up. We were having... Uh, lots of technical difficulties, and we're unable to get you guys an episode uh, on Friday. So we, we tried, but you know, technology wasn't on our side on Friday. So anyway, uh, we are here today, and we are going to get into uh, some of the weekend's best NFL games. Yeah. So uh, also on another note, we do have a three episode week we have today. Uh, it has already been said what we are talking about. Then we also have. Um, a mock draft as the NBA drafts on Wednesday, uh, and a the the, uh, the usual except for last week uh, predictions episode uh, on Friday. So there is going to be a lot of content this week, as uh, well as assuming, as well as another article coming out this week. But yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so we uh, will start it off with just talking about the Masters. Uh, would you like to get into it? Yeah, so we will get into it uh, in a second. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode, as are all episodes of The Sports Show with Ben and Dylan, is brought to you by Garden Greens. Garden Greens is the best lawn care service around. Whatever you need around the yard this fall season, Garden Greens will get it done. Garden Greens, helping your garden stay clean. Uh, yeah, so uh, we can start with our master's thoughts. Uh, so... It was an odd year, obviously. The Masters was in November rather than April. Uh, what are a few takeaways you have from that? And, and do you think it was better, worse, or just about the same to have it in a different time of year? Yeah, so I'm not sure that the time of year necessarily had an impact, but the weather certainly did. We saw the course play uh, a lot easier on Thursday and Friday due to the rain. Uh, Augusta, which usually has stubborn greens, um, when, you know, because it's usually pretty dry uh, because of all the rain. Uh, they were wet, making them, you know, easier to put on, and, and uh, you know, the players could get a lot more aggressive knowing that the ball wouldn't, you know, go too far, you know, because it's all dry, it would kind of stick because everything was wet. Um, so that was interesting for sure. I think the main takeaway um, is really that just Dustin Johnson is, is really good. Uh, came away with the win, uh, finished at 20 under par for, uh, you know, over the course of the four days, won by five shots, um, and it was basically over. I mean, you, you kind of knew, uh, coming into Saturday that, that it was basically over. He was up, he was up four shots, uh, coming into it and, and just, you know, uh, kind of, you know, went four under, uh, on, on Sunday and, and just put it away. Uh, Cameron Smith and Sanjay M, uh, finished, uh, in a tie for second place, both finishing at 15 under for the tournament. Justin Thomas came in fourth, uh, finishing at 12 under. And then, uh, Rory McIlroy and Dylan Fertelli, uh, finished at even par or sorry, finished at even par on Sunday finished at uh, 11 under overall uh, for the tournament to tie for fifth place. So 
it was an interesting Masters. Um, like I said, Justin Johnson kind of asserted his will and, and more or less ran away with it. But um, we saw some very, very low scores for the first time. We saw, uh, we saw guys – so nobody at the Masters um, had ever shot under 60 um, in all four rounds. And we saw, we saw two guys do that uh, this weekend – Surprisingly, Dustin Johnson um, was not actually one of them, believe it or not. But it was uh, so some some really low scores, records set um, at this this Masters, and it was an interesting one for sure. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, I guess I think another thing that was big was, uh, and maybe maybe not, but the lack of uh, fans. I feel like with that. Uh, not only the way the the course was because of the uh, the rain, but I think with no fans, this really didn't. This really, I guess, alleviated the pressure uh, that yeah. maybe some golfers feel uh, in Augusta, or at Augusta. So uh, I think this made for an interesting tournament. Uh, as we can move on to our NBA talk. Yeah, and just one more thing. I think the point on no fans, I think that benefits a guy like Dustin Johnson, who is kind of known as someone that, you know, is always calm, cool, collected, and, and really doesn't waver. Um, and when, you know, you have no fans, it's easier to, to really... Uh, it's it's easier to do that in a way because, you know, you're not influenced by the cheering or the... the nobody really boos at a golf tournament, but in theory, you know, the... The booing. Um, so I think that played to his advantage. And, you know, I think it seems when it's not packed with all these people, I think it seems a little less intimidating when it's, you know, Augusta can seem very intimidating as it is a very hard golf course, but especially for first timers or, or non veterans, um, it, it can seem intimidating as, you know, you have all the guys, all, everybody there um, watching it. Uh, from from fans to to former players uh, to to former winners and and such. So yeah, with that we can move on from our golf talk and move into our NBA talk. Uh, we will cover the draft um, in its entirety uh, tomorrow on our Tuesday episode as we give a mock draft. Uh, but that's kind of that's like more or less like the main thing that's happening this week. But another thing, uh, we did see some trades go down, and we do have some rumors out there right now. Uh, yeah, so only one blockbuster trade happened, but uh, there was another small one that we can start it off with. Um, then Schroeder was traded to the Lakers on um, on Sunday. Uh, it's an interesting trade, and I think it's, it's cool for the Lakers, I would say, who really lacked at... Um, at point guard, I mean, maybe not depth, but just point guard talent with Jean Rondo and Alex Caruso and a bunch of other guys manning uh, the, the point guard this season, which isn't necessarily what you want. Uh, but I think Schroeder is a nice addition. He's a solid scorer. He was in uh, the running for sixth man of the year. Uh, he was solid in his OKC days, his Atlanta days. And I think if AD resigns, uh, which we will get to, uh, I think he'll be the closest thing to a quote-unquote third star on this team. Uh, but yeah, uh, what did you think of that deal? Yeah, I think it's an interesting deal. I think a good move for the Lakers uh, as they obviously add more more depth 
um, and especially at, at the guard position, uh, that to a degree is, is something that they lacked uh, this season. Uh, as you mentioned, um, we had, you know, from whether it was opt-outs in the bubbles with, with Avery Bradley or injuries from the majority of the bubble with, with Rajon Rondo, whatever it was, um, the, the Lakers down the stretch did lack uh, point guard depth, as as you mentioned, you had guys like Rondo when he came back and Caruso manning the point guard. Um, so I think it's a good move for uh, for the Lakers. Uh, and we can move on now to our next topic, which is the fact that Chris Paul uh, was traded to the Suns today in in basically a blockbuster deal. Uh, yeah. So Chris Paul. make it known, but everyone knew that Chris Paul was getting dealt this um, this offseason. You could even go check it out. I wrote, uh, or we wrote an article. I, I had three teams now. Granted, none of them were the Suns where he did get traded, but uh, I was extremely confident that he would be a uh, another team starting point guard by the end of the offseason, and the Suns, I guess, were the Thunder's trading partner. Now, with the Suns sent, um, they, they sent Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, and a 2022 first-round pick. They also sent Ty Jerome and Jalen Leak. Uh, but, yeah, I think this is an interesting deal. Paul, he's not – he doesn't really bring, I would say, championship aspirations to this team, but I think it's really a good move for the Suns as it, uh, it shows Devin Booker – mostly their star that uh, they are going to try and put pieces around him. Uh, yeah, what did you think of this deal? Yeah, so uh, it was an interesting deal. Can't say it was necessarily one I saw coming, as you talked about. I, I think we all uh, pretty much knew that Paul was, was going to be uh, in a different city playing for a different team uh, this season, I, but but Phoenix wasn't necessarily one uh, of of the likely candidates. Um, I, I like this deal a lot for the Suns. I think pairing Booker and Paul in the backcourt is a good move for Phoenix. Um, and while I don't think it necessarily makes them a contender in the West, in the in the heavily stacked West, I think it helps them at least catch up and coming off all that momentum with their great bubble run. I think we could see the Suns contend for a playoff spot next year. Yeah, uh, so we had we, we basically finished our, um, I mean, we finished the trades that actually happened. Now, another thing, a, a trade rumor that I wanted to talk about. Um, so James Harden, uh, via Shams, uh, demanded a trade. Now, uh, Harden has been in trade talks for a, not a while, but for like a month now. And uh, it, it's been determined that his uh, two preferred destinations would be the Brooklyn Nets, which would build a super team uh, of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden, or the Sixers, and the Sixers would most likely, unless the Rockets are super desperate, have would have to give up one of their uh, star tandem in Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Uh, what what uh, option do you think would be the better fit for Harden? Yeah, in terms of better fit, I think it's definitely the Sixers, whether... You're pairing uh, him with Simmons or pairing him with Embiid or pairing all three of them without a ton of depth as you would probably have to give up some other aspects 
aspects in order to get all those three guys. Um, I think the Sixers are definitely the better fit. Uh, I don't think it will work in Brooklyn. I mean, you have three guys who are used to being uh, the vocal point of an offense, um, theoretically, with Kevin Durant, uh, Kyrie Irving, and then... Harden as well, three guys that are used to kind of doing their own thing and and uh, you know running running their own offenses. So I think I don't think that would work. Um, you know, on paper it would probably be uh, one of, if not the best team in the league, um, with you know three probably all at their peaks, top ten guys. Um, so. I don't, but but I I just don't think the chemistry and you know there's there's just not not enough shots to go around in that offense. I don't think that would work in Brooklyn. So I think the better fit for Harden is is the Sixers. Yeah, uh, I, I think it makes sense. I, I just don't know. I kind of feel like uh, neither are a great fit for him. Uh, honestly, I think you could probably find other teams where the fit would be better. But I think Harden at least should want to go on a team that will be in content or will uh, be in contention to um, sort of support him and help lead him to his first NBA title. I don't know if the Sixers or the Nets are that because team chemistry slash injuries uh, very well could riddle the Nets uh, potentially being um, a contender. And then for the Sixers is Harden and, one of Simmons or Embiid really uh, that much better than, like, the... Like, is it even better than the Bucs or the Celtics or the Heat? Like, I'm not sure. So uh, we can move on, though, unless you have any other things to the NFL recaps. Yeah, um, we, we will move on to that in just a second. But I do want to touch on Anthony Davis, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, he declined his option, uh, his player option, for this upcoming season. Um, I don't make much of this. I think he'll still play for the Lakers, uh, just for a different money number. Um, I think it's the right financial move for him to, um, you know, whether, you know, in in the event that he decides to, to move on for the Lakers, which I heavily, heavily doubt he will, um, you know, he could, he could be making, uh, significantly more money and, you know, being, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I guess the word I'm looking for would be, you know, having his own team. Um, but we saw that in in New Orleans, and that didn't necessarily yield any playoff success. So uh, I don't know. What do you What do you make of him declining this option? It means absolutely nothing. Uh, just taking a bigger contract, and if he leaves, uh, it's a dumb mistake because there's just no reason. Uh, but with the amount of complaining and the lack of success in New Orleans, he would ever do that uh, a year after winning the finals, nonetheless, and a year where he has the potential to take over as the best player on this team. I'm not saying he will, and LeBron will still be the leader. He's on pace to be uh, soon. I, I just don't think it would be a smart decision for him. You know, maybe if he's getting a lot more money, that will be the way he leans, but I just think it would be dumb uh, as, in terms of your future success to leave the Lakers for a team that you will attempt to carry in the playoffs for the next few years. Uh, as we can move on, though, to our NFL recaps. Yep. 
All right, so yeah, so we have six games, uh, including the Giants game. So we can start with the Giants game, and then uh, we will talk about uh, some of the other best games from this weekend. Uh, let's start with the Giants' victory uh, over the Eagles uh, this or yesterday. Yeah, it was it was a good one. Uh, not to be honest, I, I just I I said it last Monday or last Tuesday, and I will say it again. Uh, the Giants are the best team in the NFC East. I don't think they'll win the NFC East, but if I asked, um, like if I if I needed one team right now to go and win a playoff game, not that any of them would. I'm asking the Giants. Their defense looks stout, at least at times. Um, if Daniel Jones doesn't uh, throw so many picks and fumble like he has in the past two games, he is decent. Uh, the Wayne Gallman continues to overachieve um, as the replacement, basically, for Saquon. The receivers are fine. Like I honestly think this team is okay, and I, it just it's the fact that uh, they are not in an exactly good uh, good place. That I'm not sure they will win the division, but I do think uh, there is there is there, there's a bright future potentially. Uh, what did you think of this game? Yeah, um, I thought this was a good jo- game for the Giants. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I I did think there there were definitely points uh, in this game where I thought the Giants were going to blow it and end up losing uh as they seem to do just about every game as they they struggle mightily with closing games um I thought somewhere in there we were going to see a Jones turnover as we have become accustomed to but uh I have to give him credit uh he has not turned the ball over in the past two games which has led to two victories so I think that's going to be one of the keys uh to them winning uh along with good defensive play uh and just you know finishing games not not both on both sides of the ball, not collapsing uh, at the end of games. Uh, as far as your comment on they're the best team in the NFC East, I definitely I think they are, for, uh, and I'm I'm very confident about it. I mean, they've outplayed the Eagles twice. I think everybody is you know willing to admit, even if you're an Eagles fan, that the Giants outplayed them. Uh, on Thursday Night Football by a substantial amount. And if it weren't for, uh, like, again, just a lack of finishing for by the Giants, they would have won that game. They won this week. They've beaten the Washington football team twice. Uh, they they lost a game they shouldn't have lost to three-quarters of, of Dak Prescott and then uh, Andy, making Andy Dalton look like a Hall of Famer. Uh, with their horrific secondary play that game, but one could argue they outplayed the Cowboys that game too, and then, you know, we'll see what happens the next time they play the Cowboys in a couple of weeks. Um, So, yeah, I think the Giants are probably the best team in the NFC East. I would agree with you. I'm not sure that, you know, them them blowing these multiple leads uh, has cost them and, and probably in the end will end up costing them division as I just don't I just don't know. I mean you look at you look at their schedule, um, you know, and, and you compare it with some of the other schedules, well, you know, it's probably not the hardest schedule um that that you could find. I, I think I still think they will end up coming in second or third in this division, uh unfortunately just because of the, the lack of finishing um in, in games as they should have uh, at least two more wins, at least. Um, so this was a good game for the Giants. Jones played well. The defense played well, as you mentioned. Uh, it's, a, it's a good win. Yeah, 
Yeah, who would be your player of the game? Yeah, so, um, let's see, I, I think, um, I think I would probably give it to Jones. Um, 21 for 28 passing, 244 yards uh, to go along with 68 yards on the ground, and a touchdown. Wayne Gallman had two touchdowns, but if you watch the game, uh, you know, even though he overachieved and played well, you would know that those two touchdowns were just punch-ins uh, from the goal line. Not to say that that doesn't matter, and that's important, but still, it's not like they were, you know, incredible long-distance running plays. Wayne played well, uh, as you mentioned, uh, but I, I think I'm going to give it to Jones. Okay. Um, yeah, so my player of the game, on the other hand, will be Wayne Gallman. Now, uh, he didn't, Jones did much of the the work, but I feel like Gallman did um, a lot of the dirty work in the red zone, which is something the Giants tend to struggle on uh, sometimes. Uh, I would also give it to the defense for just being A-OK, that wasn't. English, but uh, they were solid, rock solid. They got stopped. The Eagles converted on no third downs, which is um, something the Giants always tend to struggle on. Uh, but yeah, it was a good game as we can move on to our next game. Now, we're just going to backtrack considering we never talked about it on Friday to the Thursday night game. Uh, this was an, an interesting one. The Colts, though, took. Um, I guess, advantage of the division as they now have the tiebreaker over the Titans in a big win, uh, if you ask me. They won pretty easily, cruising 34-17. to What did you think about this game? Yeah, this was an interesting game. Like you said, the Colts kind of cruised to victory. Um, you know, when you, you kind of... It was, it was a good game played by both teams. The Colts were able to limit to a degree uh Derrick Henry's um Derrick Henry's impact even though he still rushed for 100 yards but but still considering he's he, you know we, we now basically expect uh you know a couple of hundred yards out of him uh to a degree um you know that that they they limited him to to a degree there uh Rivers played played pretty well uh going 29 for 39 passing, um, and then throwing for a touchdown. Naeem Hines uh, also had 12 carries for 70 yards and a touchdown uh, and a receiving touchdown as well. Um, and potentially the, you know, one of the interesting storylines of this game is the Colts' backfield uh, continues to get more and more interesting as we saw uh both Naeem Hines and Jordan Wilkins outcarry rookie Jonathan Taylor. What do you think about this? All right, what's up, guys? We are back. Uh, we continue to struggle uh, with our technical difficulties, but we're going to keep trying. So uh, we left off me talking a little bit about uh, the Indianapolis backfield. Dylan, what do you think about uh, both Naeem Hines and Jordan Wilkins out-touching Jonathan Taylor? Uh, yeah, Taylor's in the doghouse, and I'm not, I know there was that fumble, but otherwise, they still were already starting to go away from him. I don't really know what the problem was and why, um, and why he is really, 
not getting touches anymore. Granted, it is possible that Naeem Hines, who has been great um, the past few weeks, uh, is better than him. But I just don't know what happened all of a sudden that Taylor isn't getting many touches. But um, I think Taylor is going to break through eventually. It's just when the Colts maybe will play him a bit more. Uh, yeah, but uh, we can move on to our players at the game. Yeah, uh, I'm going to give the player of the game to Philip Rivers. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, 29 for 39 passing, 308 yards uh, in the air, and a touchdown thrown to Naeem Hines. Who are you going to give your player of the game to? Yeah, I'm going to give it to Hines. I like the running backs here. You like the quarterback. I just think Hines was their biggest all-around threat this game. The defense, the defense was very honorable. They stopped a pretty solid Titans offense led by Henry and Tannehill, and both of those guys did not do an A.J. Brown. All of those guys didn't do much. Uh, so it was an impressive performance by the Colts' D, but I will give it to Hines as we can move on to our next game. Yeah, our next game here is the Lions and the Washington football team. To be completely honest, I don't have a ton to say about this game. These are two teams that uh, I would assume are uh, – basically out of the running for the playoffs, although I guess we could still see the Washington football team uh, come back in the NFC East, but it's going to be hard considering uh, they have two losses to the Giants, uh, but they did beat the Eagles in week one. Um, so, yeah, this uh, the Lions beat uh, the Washington football team 30-27 and don't have much to say about this, and the only real reason it's significant is because – uh, there was a game-winning field goal uh, by the Lions to get the win. Oh uh, yeah, I also want to say how impressed I was with Matthew Stafford's late-game heroics. Man, uh, 16 seconds left, he drives them. He drives them like 40 yards down the field uh, to set up to set up a still extremely tough 59-yard field goal by Matt Prater for the win. Now this is the guy who has the all-time record for um, the longest field goal in a game with 64. Uh, in 2013, but uh, this is still a tough one, and he absolutely nailed it. It probably could have traveled another 10 yards, to be honest. It was a bomb. Uh, yeah, the two mats really saved the day for the Lions. Uh, also, props to Alex Smith, who had a good game throwing for 392 uh, yards, which led the whole NFL this week. Uh, I mean, as of right now, I guess that could change on Monday night game. Yeah, it was a real impressive game from Alex Smith, but at the end of the day, the Lions were just the better and the clutcher team. Yeah. Uh, who are you going to give your player the game to? Uh, yeah, although I was very impressed with Prater's field goal, I still think Matt Stafford, and he had a good game before that last drive, and he did and it sort of elevated to a great game after that drive. He honestly uh, reminded me of the Matthew Stafford in the clutch from like like half a decade ago. He was really uh, he really looked good, uh, and he looked pretty healthy too. Something he struggled with in recent years. Uh, yes, Matt Stafford gets my player of the game. Yeah, I could give it to Stafford as well, but I think I'm going to go a different route and go with Prater. We're not talking about a Lions victory if it's not for Prater, uh, who went three for three on field goals uh, and obviously hit the game winner, which, you know, like I said, we're not talking about a Lions victory if it's not for him. So I'm going to give it to Matt Prater, and now we will move on to our next game, which is uh, which will be 
the Rams and the Seahawks game. Yeah, this was not particularly a good game. I did not feel entertained by watching it. But um, it was interesting between the NFC West and, and what we'll get to uh, in a little bit or in a few minutes is the fact that the NFC West week by week, uh, both the Rams and the Cardinals continue to close in and actually are tied with the Seahawks now. Uh, the Rams and the Cardinals honestly have looked a lot better than the Seahawks in recent weeks as Russell Wilson continues to uh, play. Well, it, it, it had been good, but just with too many turnovers. And, and he was just terrible on um, on Sunday. I was honestly couldn't believe what I was watching and, and that we called this guy the front runner to win the MVP a few weeks ago. Uh, it was terrible. The Ram, Jared Goff, he didn't, he wasn't amazing, but he still looks way better, I would say. The run game, though, is really what gave the Rams the win. Uh, Daryl Henderson got a touchdown. Malcolm Brown got two touchdowns. It's really a good defensive and running game, really a ground and pound Rams performance. Uh, it wasn't an entertaining game, but the Rams really dominated. Uh, and, and I honestly, had we listened to this episode, I was going to pick the Rams, and I, I'm not surprised that they looked good. And although the Seahawks defense didn't look as bad as usual, it still just wasn't good on like third downs, and it just didn't, still wasn't good enough to win them again. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So for your player of the game, who are you going to give it to? I'm going to give it to Malcolm Brown. Those two touchdowns played a key role. Uh, and although he had he was five yards behind Cam Akers as far as the most rushing yards, he still had two touchdowns and Cam Akers had zero. Uh, I'm going to give mine to uh, to Malcolm Brown this week. Just to touch on Russell Wilson. Uh, yeah, it, it really is in, incredible. Uh, just the I wouldn't necessarily say he's dropped off uh, because he has. Or he has dropped off, but he's still having a great season. And I would still can can uh, consider him and Patrick Mahomes uh, and probably Aaron Rodgers at this point to be your main candidates for MVP uh, thus far in the season. But who are you going to give your player of the game to? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give it to I'm gonna go with, with the Rams defense as a whole. It really, really down uh that electric Seahawks offense they scored 16 points uh that that's saying a lot considering uh they have not scored if if even at all not under 30 it's at least not a lot under 30 uh uh yeah it was just it was not a good performance for the Seahawks offense, but it was an even better performance for the Rams defense. I was impressed, and they continue to be one of the league's best. Uh, as we can move on to uh, one of the craziest games uh, you will ever see. Honestly, it was if the stakes were higher, it would have been maybe recognized as an all-time great. It was an incredible game between the Cardinals and the Bills. Yeah, this was this game uh, was a really really quality game. But then what put this game over the top, and, and as Dylan mentioned, that this had bigger stakes and wasn't just uh, an out-of-conference uh, regular season matchup between two two contenders, but, but still, nonetheless, just, just a regular season game against uh, an NFC team and an AFC team that, that most likely won't end up like actually determining anything other than, I guess, potentially, uh, you know, whether these two teams win their division or not. 
or when their respective divisions or not. Um, but this had one of the craziest endings to a football game I have ever seen. Uh, we can talk a little bit about this game as a whole, and then we'll dive into what was just insane, insane ending. Uh, yeah, so from the start, uh, this game started off odd with Josh Allen uh, catching a receiving touchdown the second of his career. That was strange. Uh, and the Bills honestly looked a lot better, or it looked like they were going to necessarily cruise to an easy win because the Cardinals have Kyler Murray, but uh, they looked like the, the better team until uh, Kyler Murray got a pair of rushing touchdowns, and all of a sudden they were up 26-23. to 23. Then the Bills went on a drive where the receivers like looked like uh, four Jerry Rices, and they just couldn't drop anything. It ended with a Stephon Diggs touchdown, and then, um, let's say, uh, the most – it was just – the Cardinals looked done. They had fought so much to get back only for it to – uh, for their defense to really just break yeah. uh, when they need them to step up. I wouldn't have been surprised if they had just gone three and out on the next drive, but like I said once, they have Kyler Murray, so that did not happen. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, can you into what happened? Yeah, so uh, we see the Bills score, uh, or we see Stefan Diggs and the Bills score uh, a touchdown with 32 seconds left to put them ahead um, in this game uh, by – uh, four uh, with so you got 32 seconds on the clock the game appears to be over uh, and then the Cardinals come marching right back down the field um, and say not quite um, we'll just get to it uh, the moment if you you know follow if you if you watch any highlight reel on anything you will see this play um, the by far number one play of the weekend will most likely it's going to take something really, really special to uh, overtake. This is the play of the year. Um, so the Cardinals are down for the need a touchdown. Um, they call a play, uh, which Cliff Kingsbury said after the game was called Cowboy. Um, it was the intention of it was actually to go to Andy Isabella over the middle. Uh, quick route to get 20 yards or so. You catch the ball, you get out of bounds, you have two seconds, and now you're 20 yards closer to take a shot to the end zone, um, assuming he gets out of bounds and catches it and gets enough yardage and everything. However, Cliff Kingsbury said that he said to Kyler Murray uh, in his helmet that uh, although the play was designed to go to Isabella, if Hop was there, uh, he could could throw it up to him. Now, DeAndre Hopkins was not open by any stretch of the imagination. Or, or actually, let's let's backtrack for a second. Kyler Murray uh, rolls out to his left, is chased down by a defensive lineman, jukes out a defensive lineman, um, and then just heaves the ball towards the end zone and towards DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is guarded by two guys, and then a third guy comes over to com- to compete. First off, uh, I would just like to. Um, w- This is the part that I don't think enough people are talking about. Why was every single Bill not in uh, the end zone on this play? Uh, It really doesn't make any sense to me. You rush three and you put everybody else in the end zone. They need a touchdown. There's no other way they beat you unless they get a touchdown. And instead, you just have a safety and double coverage on Hopkins. 
And clearly, and one would think that would be enough, but clearly it was not enough as DeAndre Hopkins catches a heave of a Hail Mary, 43 yards, um, takes it over three guys and brings it down to the ground, showing why he is one of the best, if not the best, uh, in uh, wide receiver in the NFL. Uh, a crazy play and one of the craziest endings to a game I've ever seen. Uh, yeah, it was it was mind-blowing, if you put it simply. I will be honest, guys. I did not watch it live. I was busy doing something else. But uh, I, I got the text from you, and I ran out and uh, went to watch it. It was incredible. Now, uh, everyone will be talking about uh, D-Hop's catch for the rest of the season. But what I think was just as impressive, or, or at least impressive in its own right, was Kyler Murray's ability to get a pretty much uh, on unharmed throw out off. He ran around defenders, got to the left side, just heaved one up, and it was a beautiful throw uh, right to the hands of DeAndre Hopkins as he snagged it. Uh, yeah, I think uh, these duo, this duo is really developing into uh, one of, if not uh, a top QB receiver duo in the league. Uh, Kyler really, he, he played well. Uh, the rushing touchdowns were huge. Uh, and he only had 67 rushing yards on the ground, and it's becoming a standard for him to get, like, 100-plus. So, like, it was looked at as a bad rushing game for Kyler, but honestly, uh, what an amazing game, as we can talk about our player in the game here. Uh, who are you giving Yeah, I'm going to give it to Kyler Murray. Um, you could easily, easily make the argument to give it to DeAndre Hopkins, and I wouldn't even bother arguing. Um, DeAndre Hopkins obviously won them the game with that incredible catch, but Kyler Murray kept them in the game uh, with two rushing touchdowns and then obviously that big throwing touchdown and more. And basically, since the play was designed to Isabella, he had to get out of the pocket to get a clean throw off. Um, and it does not have, we're not even talking about this play if Kyler Murray just goes down for a sack um, and doesn't uh, completely uh, destroy a defender, uh, chase, trying to chase him down and attempts to, and attempts and misses to bring him down. Uh, I'm giving my MVP of the game to Kyler Murray. Yep. Completely agree. Uh, as we can move on, although that was a long segment to the final game, which, uh, if it, if it wasn't, uh, completely overshadowed by what had happened just a few hours or like an hour before would have been a pretty big deal, I would say. Uh, the Ravens and the Patriots faced off on Sunday Night Football. I came in expecting, unless um, uh, Cam really stepped up, uh, it, to be a Ravens blowout, and it appeared to be on the first drive. The Ravens cruised all the way down the field. Uh, but but the Patriots fought back, and the defense really held pretty stiff after that. Uh, it was an even game with the Patriots clinging to a 23-10 lead. The Ravens scored one touchdown, but it was not enough. The Patriots got the upset win. Now, uh, in another note, uh, it wasn't just a Patriots upset. It was also a tsunami going on at the same time. It was a, a big rain. Uh, so the run game, honestly, Damian Harris, he didn't get any touchdowns, but 121 yards, he had a great game. Uh, yeah, we, any touches? Yeah, um, this was an interesting game. Like you mentioned, I, as were many, were expecting, um, if not a blowout, uh, a commanding Ravens victory. Um, 
And the Patriots, quite frankly, came out and were the better coached and better prepared team. Um, not many people, uh, including Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, who were on the call, knew that this storm was going to hit as hard as it did, as they you know, were saying at the top of the broadcast that it was a little light rain, but would just pass over and then ended up being an absolute downpour. And somehow Bill Belichick knew that as the reports came out that they were practicing with uh, wet balls um, to, to help prepare for the slipperiness um, of, of the balls when they're wet. Um, but, and the Ravens, uh, and that affected the Ravens, as you could tell that they were not prepared. They had multiple drops throughout the game. Uh, so, yeah, this was a good game for the, for the Patriots and a good win for the Patriots. Uh, who would you give your player of the game to? So I'm going to give it to co-running backs, Damian Harris and Rex Burkhead. Now, Burkhead had two receiving touchdowns, which was big. Uh, but Damian Harris just really kept his team afloat with amazing runs. Once they pulled ahead, they really just relied on him, and he got the job done. So I'm going to give it to those two yeah, running so backs here. Uh, and that basically wraps up this episode. A lot of content. Uh, although we did have some technical difficulties along the way, uh, finished it out and uh, got some good content out. As we mentioned at the top of the show, this is a three-episode week. Uh, look out for uh, another episode coming out tomorrow with our NBA mock drafts. And then after that, on Friday, you will see your typical Friday episode with predictions for this weekend of NFL as well as any NBA discussion that breaks uh, over the next uh, the, over the, this, this coming week here as we have now entered, entered into the new league year. Trades can be made as we uh, discuss some trades. Um, and then free agency is right around the corner. So we will keep you uh, posted on all the latest buzz. And then as well, uh, in addition to all this content that is coming out, we have an article coming out uh, at some point this week with uh, some fantasy uh, rankings for the rest of the season to help you prepare for your stretch run or playoffs um, if you are making it in your fantasy football leagues. So uh, look out for those rankings. But yeah, this uh, wraps this episode up. Thank you guys for listening, and we will be back tomorrow to give you guys our NBA mock draft. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time.